Foul trouble is hitting the road today because I am in Miami. Patrick is back home, but he's about to be headed to Cleveland to spend a week around the Cavaliers. I'm spending a week out here at the Miami Heat, so we're going to talk a lot more about that on the Thursday, Friday episode. But today's Monday. The NBA is in scoring frenzy, so Patrick and I are going to talk about that. Best take, worst take. Let's hit the road and get into some foul trouble. What's up? How was your flight, James? Not good, man. Wi-Fi was down. No live TV during the AFC Championship game. You know, I missed the whole Chiefs-Ravens game except for the fourth quarter. That should be against the law. I know, it should be. Honestly, but I did. You know what? I'm a little late to the party, but I finally watched Barbie. Uh, weird choice, I know. Solo flyer, but I, I enjoyed it. it was funny. Yeah, it's pretty. It made me laugh a couple times pretty hard. Yeah, I liked it. I feel like Barbie is like just a, a Marvel movie with no Marvel superheroes. That's that's kind of my my stance on that movie. But yeah, I liked it as well. I, I just appreciate like a good self-aware movie like Mattel's very associated with the making of it, but also very making fun of it and of itself and everything like that. Also, the part where. Margot Robbie is supposed to be ugly. And then it goes like, no, to the filmmaker, don't cast Margot Robbie if you want her to be ugly. And I'm like, yeah, no, it's not possible for Margot Robbie to be ugly. She's just always beautiful. Yeah, exactly. I I actually, I just found out that Mattel is opening like Mattel land in like Glendale, Arizona. And there's like a, a Hot Wheels land and a Barbie land and first Arizona's on the come up. Okay, it's our first like big uh, amusement park, so I'm a, I'm a little excited. But should we start talking about basketball? Yeah, we should start talking about basketball. I will warn you and the pod listeners. I've got the NFC Championship game on the screen to my left right now. So if you hear a little like "oh" at any point, that's that's me. Hey, that's okay. But there was at least ten other people this week that went "whoa," and that was our ten <laughs> All Star starters um, from the Eastern Conference. We've got Giannis, of course, Joel Embiid, Jason Tatum, Tyrese Halliburton, and Damian Lillard for the Eastern Conference starters, and then. In the West, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, Nikola Jokic, Luka Doncic, and Shea Gilgis Alexander. A lot of kind of obvious names there, but James, what was your first impression when you saw the selections? That I went nine for ten, baby. <laughs> I got all five Western starters right, and I got four right in the uh, the East. The only one I missed out on was. Uh, Lillard, I had Mitchell, but I didn't I didn't pick Mitchell thinking he was actually gonna get it. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, no, I mean I thought the West starters obviously it was the five guys I picked, so I was pretty happy about that. I think all those guys were deserving. I guess the two quote unquote controversial ones, maybe just because of where their teams are in the standing, would be LeBron and Durant. And I feel like, you know, you see it last night, the Lakers Warriors going into double overtime. LeBron is excellent. And you know, as a Suns fan, Durant's just been amazing all season long, really carrying this team, really getting back to some of the things that I felt like he was dropping off at in the previous seasons, like his rim attempts and, you know, is like kind of ball handling. I felt like teams were getting better at nitpicking at it and, you know, denying him spots in the court the last couple of seasons that I feel like he's kind of gotten back to doing. So I'm happy to see Durant get there. He's been such a consistent scorer for the Suns. I feel like he really deserves it. Also, Durant's played like it feels like every game this season. Yeah, for the most part, uh, Katie's been out there almost the entire season. It's kind of tough for me to uh, say this with a smile on my face after watching the magic bully around the Suns and Katie turn it over seven times. 
But um, but hey, everybody, everybody has their day. We didn't even have Nurkic. The one, and I feel like the hottest take, the hottest selection of this whole group was the Damian Lillard backcourt partner of Tyrese Halliburton in the Eastern Conference lineup. What did you think about the Dame selection? Is it much ado about nothing? What what did you think there? You know, because it's it's funny because we did this exercise a month ago, and both you and I had this three way kind of tie. Not really a tie since we both ended up choosing Mitchell on our own ballots, not knowing that. But you know, we each felt like it was either going to be Brunson, Lillard, or Mitchell. I, I'm kind of any one of those three guys deserves to have it. I think a lot of people are kind of like unfairly like. You know, the Bucs fired Adrian Griffin. There's this perception that the Bucs have been doing horrible because they fired their coach. They're like, what, second in the conference? The Bucs have been awesome. Damian Lillard's been a huge part of one of the best offenses in the league. I mean, I think Dave's just as deserving as the other two guys. And to be honest, between the three, I actually think Brunson still has the weakest case. Yeah, I, I mean, the hot streak that the Knicks have been on since the OG trade, I think, gives... Jalen a lot of juice going into this like discussion of like oh like and the Bucks just firing their coach but yeah they're all their stats are so similar 25.3 points per game for Dame 26.6 for Jalen Brunson 27.7 for Donovan Mitchell they're all averaging six and like some change assists the most 6.8 from Dame and then the efficiency is all pretty much in the the same ballpark right there so I really didn't have too much of a problem the interesting thing that I found from all of this was Damon Jalen Brunson essentially tied in the 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 fan um the the coach di- dissection media, uh, of triumphant. fan coach player but Dame had more fan votes over Jalen Brunson, which is insane because Dame plays for the freaking Milwaukee Bucks. And where where you at, Nick fans? Where you at the loudest in times of strife, but the quietest when you're actually a good team. Yeah, and I mean, I, I will say, like, I think Dame is very deserving. Like, to me personally, the more I really drove it down, it was between Mitchell and Dame for me. Or, yeah, Mitchell and Dame for me. And it's the little things like both Mitchell and Dame are averaging more assists than Brunson. I know Brunson was shooting 45%. We had that discussion earlier. He's all the way down to, like, 39 now. So his shooting is really normalized. Um me, personally, I just thought Mitchell was carrying the biggest load out of these guys. And I know we try really not to do the whole punishing people for playing with good teammates. But, like, the Cavs are right up there record-wise with the Knicks, right? And I feel like Mitchell's supporting cast is not as good as Brunson or or um, Dames. And on top of the quality of teammates, the fit of teammates, right? Because I think we had all agreed Jared Allen's really good. Evan Mobley is really good. But they don't even fit together well. Absolutely. And not even to mention the huge injuries that the Cavs have had recently. To your point, um, the Cavs are only back a half game on the Knicks. So they virtually have the same record. And it it did make me I I totally agree with you that I I think Mitchell should be the guy in in the backcourt. But I'm sure we'll see all three of these guys on the, the greater roster. And, you know, like. At the end of the day, when you see like All-Star 2012, All-Star 1995, 
it doesn't designate if you are an injury replacement or you are an all-star starter. All that matters is you are an all-star. Exactly. And I don't want to denigrate how good Brunson has been this season. I still think he's the best player on the Knicks. I over Randall for sure. Oh, to me, I think he's the most important player on the Knicks. Absolutely. I 100 he's million. He's been amazing this season. We're just we're at a point in the NBA right now where Stephen Curry is not an all star starter because of like obviously the other conference. But like for perspective, like Steph's not a starter and Steph is freaking amazing still. <laughs> oh, absolutely. I mean, and to be honest, Steph, like he's right on the bubble of even making the all-star team with how and, and that's with how good he has been. It's just the competition is so much greater than ever. And you can't just like rest on your laurels of previous success and and being able to score the ball really effectively. Nowadays in the NBA, you just you got to be able to do it all, which Steph can. I'm not saying Steph can't, but it's just. It's pretty awesome. And this kind of flows into the next conversation that we wanted to have is just like these guys are more talented than ever and they're scoring more than ever. Um, Luka Doncic scored 73 points last Friday night. Um, I, I don't even know. I don't even know where to go from there. Yeah, well, I will say another guy who's a part of the 70 point club, Damian Lillard. Uh, last season, if I'm not mistaken. But quick shout out, but, you know, to Brunson's point, like Damian Lillard is starting for the first time this year and no one would have guessed that. So that kind of goes to your point, Patrick, of like no one really knows two years down the line, three years down the line, who was a starter, who was a reserve. But yeah, Damian Lillard was in there last year. Obviously, Booker hit the 60 mark this week. Cat hit the 62 mark. Max, you want to you want to hit on that? 62, 63 mark? Uh, it was 62. 62. Okay, not quite 62 in a in a fat L. Not quite that guy. But you know, Joel Embiid. I think it's hard to argue that is the most impressive after what Luca did, given the efficiency. I think Luca's hits that impressive mark even more. But as a center, is just insane. I know we always think like. Oh, well, the big guys are doing it because of Wilt. But it, really, if you take Wilt away, it's never the big guys who get these scoring numbers. It's only the guards. It's only the shot first guards. So, yeah, it's absolutely crazy. I mean, I guess the Luka game is the fun one, right? Because they didn't really start hard double teaming him until the fourth quarter, until he already had like 63 points. Yeah, and I mean, th- it shows in, in his scoring efficiency. Like, Luka... Had a 91% true shooting night uh, on that 73-point outing. And that is like 20 points better than any other um, any other 70-point game in the entire history of the NBA. I had a really weird observation that made me really depressed about the Mavs. Oh, please. I'm always looking for depressing stats about the Mavs. Please give give it to me. So anecdotal, this might just be a one-off thing, but these are, I always seem to pick up on like what guys make the right pass and what guys don't make the right pass when I watch an NBA game. So Luca has the ball, brings it past half court, hard double team. Luca kicks it to Exum. Exum kicks it to Grant Williams in the corner. Grant Williams makes a just absolutely wide open three, right? No one is within 15 feet of him. So next play down, exact same thing. Luca's double teamed at half court. He kicks it to Exum. Exum has like a guy and a half on him. It's like the guy who's helping Luca slash his guy. And Grant Williams is more, even more open now. It's the exact same play, the exact same thing. And Exum decides to pass fake and then shoot it. But just pass. The guy's open. He's like, you know what? It's my turn to get an open three off Luca's double team. Like, I don't know, man. Exum's been awesome for the Mavs, but 
that possession's like in my head now that, oh, you might be a numbers guy, not a team guy. No, it's, dude. It's it, in my head. It's like that. I mean, it's it's a good thing to keep track of that. I've seen from the Suns big three this season, there's some guys that when they realize that nobody's guarding them, their brain just like like shuts off. It doesn't matter if there's like a 45% three-point shooter right in the corner waiting with their hands on fire. They're going to take it right into like Boban's fucking chest no matter what. Just because like these guys are grew up being the best player ever and in like whatever town they came from and they feel like, oh, I'm I'm wide open now. I have to just become like 2004 Kobe because it's just my opportunity. But yeah, no, Exum, you're on, you're on watch. So I was, I went to this wedding last week or this weekend. I went yesterday and every, I was in the wedding and all these, we had a lot of time sitting around like drinking beers. And uh, I think like two or three times guys came up to me because they know I'm like, I'm this NBA guy. I, pay really close attention to stuff. And they're asking me like, what is going on with this scoring? Like, do these guys just like not play defense anymore? Like, is this good for the league? Is it ever going to be able to go back? Um, and so like, I wanted to start really like crunching or just like looking at, is it that rare? What What is going on? And so, of course, the 70 point games, they're so rare in their own right that it is weird that we've had two of them in a week. Like we have had 15 ever. But then we it once I started scaling it down, looking at the 60 point games. So there have been five, four 60 point games in the last week, 60 plus point games. That would rank third ever for full seasons in NBA history. Tamp that down to 50-point games. This season is already ranked 12th for the most 50-point games in NBA history. Go down to 40-point games. We're already 10th for the most 40-point games. And hell, Devin Booker just had another 40-point game tonight. Um, do you think this is good for the NBA? Is it bad for the NBA? I like watching it, but like, what are the ramifications of this down the road? Yeah, I mean, it, it's tough. I think like the player that really is the most instructive for like looking at this is Luca because you take a guy like Luca who's six nine, right? And so you know, not every night Luca is going to be hitting a step back jumper, but on nights where he's like hitting his mid range, hitting a step back, he's in his floater game. You can't guard him one on one. He's too skilled to be guarded one-on-one, even in his bad games, right? So, but normally in an NBA game, that's going to be, you know, near 50% field goal. When you're getting to that 70% field goal and you demand a double team, this is where it becomes impossible because Luca, even in a game where he is, you know, 70% from the field, you still can't be giving Grant Williams, who is a bad, you know, three-point shooter, hypothetically, this season hasn't been playing as well, like a wide-open corner three, because believe it or not, that's actually a more efficient shot than even this crazy hot Luca game. And I think that's like the fallacy. But you get into these players like Luca, um, and it's why you don't see like a Kevin Durant getting these like 60-point games. I think Durant's career high is like near 50. And it's because mm-hmm. Kevin Durant isn't punishing you with his passing. So you can take away these really high scorers. But there's a lot of players now like, you know, Doncic or Booker really harm you with their passing. And obviously, yeah, Booker too is a little bit more of an advanced passer than Durant. Not too much higher, but it's that little bit, right? And it's the size too. That's the other thing too, right? 
Like Donovan Mitchell, if you go back and watch his 70-point game from last season, he's actually dishing the ball and using his scoring gravity to draw on the defense and make great team plays throughout that stretch. And I think that's what's so different about these 70-point games to like Kobe 1's 81-point game is a lot of these 70-point games are actually being mixed in with like eight assists, nine assists. And it's that leveraging the pass to deter double teams that opens your avenue as a scorer for some of these really, really high-end guys. And yeah, I don't know if, like, I don't know what rules are going to really stop that. Yeah, it's hard to even think of any. Personally, I like watching people score. You know, I, I really enjoy, yeah. like, seeing a guy get super hot. I, I, There's no way that I can, like, think of an angle, at least for me as a consumer of NBA basketball, that this is, like, something that is ma- degrading the game or making it worse. People always point to the threes saying, like, this is why this is happening. And, of course, like... Yeah, like when you're shooting more threes, people are going to be or just teams are going to be scoring a lot more. But you look at these 70 point games other than Dame's 70 point game. Dame hit 13 threes in that game. The most that anybody's hit is eight. And that was Luca's 30 point game. It's just in my opinion, these guys are just better than ever. They're playing in more space than ever because they're playing with better players as well. And if that's if if you don't like that, then I, I feel like you just don't like basketball and you probably like the Skip Bayless-esque conversation around basketball a little bit more than like actually sitting down and watching a game. Yeah, no, I agree. Like, I think there are issues league-wide with maybe how offense versus defense is officiated but i i don't think those kind of greater issues actually are usually a factor in these like 70 point outbursts i i think we're pretty much on the same page there um so do you think do you have any ideas of like <laughs> creative ways that that you could like tamp down the scoring without you know putting hand checks back into the game i don't think you really can though because it kind of just goes back to like you know, like, what was that theory like Stan Van Gundy's Orlando Magic had against LeBron in that, you know, playoff series in like 08 where he's averaging like, what, 40, 35 a game? And the whole strategy is like, look, let's just don't help off the shooters. Let LeBron score as much as he can. Like, eventually, you know, it, you know, he'll start missing a few. And like that strategy tends to work. And that's why it, it, it's usually been a winning strategy throughout NBA history to let one guy score a ton, a ton of points. So I think it's going to keep happening. I mean, that's what's interesting, right? That Hawks-Mavs game. The Mavs are ahead by eight. They're not really blowing out the Hawks. So in the fourth quarter, they're like, we're getting killed by Luka one-on-one. Let's start double-teaming him. Well, now the Mavs start getting even more points because now they're getting open threes, which is better than contested middies, even if you're hitting them at a high rate. Absolutely. Yeah, I mean, I thought so I about like... Not, I don't think it's going anywhere. Yeah, I don't think it's going anywhere either. Maybe like eliminating the corner three. Like, I think that's an interesting idea, but... I think once you start like changing the dimensions of the game like that, eventually the teams, it'll work at first, but eventually the teams are going to find the new inefficiency and the new way to exploit it more and more. Just just like the three point shot, it may have taken a little bit longer for, I think, for NBA teams to learn how to exploit that three point shot. But um, it's just it's an inevitability, you know. I'm glad that I feel like I feel like 60 points is kind of the cutoff where you stop getting, you know, 
scrubs because like at the 50 point mark you can find like the Corey brewer game mm-hmm. but at 60 it's like who's the worst player to ever score 60 points yeah i mean i don't have the the list of of all the guys that have scored 60 but you're you're right and then 70 is <laughs> i don't want to say it but i i, I don't want to say it but without having looked at the list max correct me if i'm wrong but carl towns is probably the worst player to ever score 60 and you know, with all due respect to Carl Towns, he's pretty fucking good, bro. Like, Carl Towns is an absolutely amazing shooter. His driving ability as a center is, like, one of a kind. Like, it's not even like he's bad. He's an amazing NBA player. I don't like the way that you said it, but I understand what you're saying. <laughs> yeah, like, I don't know what, like, but that's what I'm saying. It's the no scrubs club. Like, there's no scrubs in the 60-point club. Yeah, no. Like, if you, the worst you guy just... is one of the best three three shooting centers of all time who also can drive better than almost any other center. Like it's an elite club. And you just like need the green light in a way that like pretty much no one, unless like you're a really, really like legitimate professional scorer in the NBA is going to have. So there we go. People scoring is not bad. Scoring is good. I do think it is weird though, that we had all of these super high scoring games within the same Rivalry week. I think I think low key it's rivalry week. It's rivalry week. I was just get I think it's just the Kobe the Kobe anniversary of it all to be honest. I think that's a huge part of it. It, it there's it's not a like it's not a coincidence that those guys went out and and shot like that as aggressively as they did on the exact day that that Kobe passed like it's just it's a, and I'm not saying like like the ghost of Kobe was like sitting on Devin Booker and Luka Doncic's shoulder, but it's just like it it, it happens. These these guys look up to him, and I think it, it's good. It's good. They're honoring the history of the NBA. So Patrick, who do you think the next player to get seventy is going to be? Who is the next player to get seventy? Well, honestly, I'm going to take today's results. I think it's going to be Shea Gilgis Alexander. I could, he like, he can get to the line like no other. He has a filthy step back three that like on the right day can get going. And like, I don't know what his career high is, but I I, I don't think he's gotten like to mid, mid fifties, at least off the top of my head. And he just got embarrassed by the Detroit Pistons, so it's time, Shay. Who do you, who are, who are you putting your money I think on? It's hard. I think it's hard because I feel like Shay is more of a reactive passer than a proactive passer. So I feel like Shay might go down the Durant career path, where it's like he never can really get above like forty eight or forty nine because teams start start hard doubling and they kind of just make the ba- the basic kick out pass instead of the advanced one. So I think Jason Tatum is going to be the guy to score 70, but I don't know if it'll happen this year or next year or even the year after, but I feel like there will be a year in Jason Tatum's career where he plays a stretch where it's kind of him and four more average players just through injuries or through roster change, just through some... Jason Tatum will not play on the most stacked or a top five stack team in the NBA every single year of his career, which he has so far. And eventually Tatum will get a season where he gets to chuck and... Tatum could put up big numbers. Jalen Brown would never, ever, ever let that happen. And you you know that's the truth. No, I know. I need Jalen Brown to be injured. I feel like Jalen Brown is like the Dante Exum from my play earlier where he's like, I only have 12 points. I need to shoot it. 
I don't care exactly. that Derek White's wide open or Porzingis is wide open under the rim. I need to shoot it. Yeah, the Suns have the opposite problem of that, of like when Book starts going off, KD is just like, oh, like this is my best friend and he's having a really great day. I'm going to stop shooting for the entire rest of the game. And then the Suns end up losing on back-to-back games where Book scores over 40 points. Patrick, this year's Suns is going to, is going to, I think you've lost like 10 years of your life because of this year's Suns. Oh my God. I was getting my hair cut two days ago and the lady was like, wow, you've got a lot of grays in there. And I think that is 100% the 2023, 2024 Suns. So I don't know, for those of you who are not uh, watching this on YouTube, this is our first, you know, uh, you know, away from the studio episode in a while. And I can barely see Patrick right now. He is just a, a blob of pixels. Um, <laughs> I can't make out the gray hairs, though, which is nice for you. No, yeah, you you really got to get in there and, and check it out. Um, but yeah, I can not see um, James either. Uh, I can see him a little bit. It's a little like impressionist, maybe Monet. <laughs> but uh, but it's okay. We're powering yeah, through. Own, my hotel room has one light, and it's this desk light that I, I guess I'll show the YouTube viewers. But this is this is pathetic. This is the only light in the room. Um, so not a great time at the Marriott. Patrick, I think we might have to get to an early uh, best take, worst take on this week's episode. I think I think we might we might have to. Um, why don't we we pick up the energy a little bit, James? Who do you have for your best take of the week? Um, you know, a guy that I think you, in a way, just said had a bad take is my best take, and that is Kevin Durant. Ooh. Um, Kevin Durant, the Suns are going to be playing the Nets, and Kevin Durant says he does not want them to play a tribute video to him. And um, I love a good self-aware basketball player, man. I love a good self-aware basketball player, especially Durant, who I feel like, you know, honestly, can't tell if it's trolling sometimes or if it is just a lack of self-awareness, but I'm, I'm with him on that one. And I like that, you know, he's being real about the way the situation there ended. Yeah, I didn't see that quote, but I really kudos to um, KD there. I hate it when like a player that leaves with like such like hate from fans comes back and gets these like really nice tribute videos. It just makes no sense. I wish I want teams to be aware of how their fans really feel about the ex players coming back and send a statement by not not playing these videos. I'm sure some Nets fans do like KD. They had that great um, run, one of their postseasons. But the, the KD era in New Jersey, Brooklyn, is just, uh, it's a sad one. So I, I agree with you. That's a great take. Yeah. What is your best take? My best take of the week is, it's a pretty like obvious take, but I saw it and I was just surprised that he was even talking about it. So I was like, okay, why not? It's definitely not a super realistic take, but Monty Williams said teachers should make more money than NBA head coaches. And I was like, yeah, that's a really nice idea, Monty Williams. Um, Because teachers are underpaid. And I wanted to take our opportunity as a podcast to say that we... 
we too believe that teachers are underpaid in this country and teachers are very important. So Monty Williams, good for you. Another good guy star on your good guy star board that you can put up. Yeah, he might have more stars than wins by the end of the season. Oh, oh, he does. Oh, he does. All right, let's get into the only thing that matters. Oh my gosh, it is. It's the end of the month. Um, the worst take of the week, James. What do you have? All right, uh, this is kind of a continuation of a bad take we had uh, earlier this season. But Shaq uh, recently went on his big podcast with himself. And uh, he was firing off a plethora of just awful takes. Um, but I think that him doubling down on this one is the worst. So Shaq says Bull Bull can do everything Wemby can, but even better. Quote, Bull Bull is just lazy as, as fuck. Which, you know what? Maybe Bull Bull is just lazy as fuck. But you know what? Bull Bull couldn't beat Wemby even if he was trying that hard. Because I'm going to give you two stats. Bull Bull is 7'3". Wemby is listed at 7'4 or 7'5, depending on the website. So Bulbul is actually shorter than Wemby. And then the real difference, though, is Bulbul apparently has a standing reach of 9'7, and Wemby has a standing reach of apparently 10 feet. So there's a huge difference between being able to touch the rim from a stand versus five inches under it is crazy. You have a crazy high defensive upside with that kind of reach of your Bulbul, but like. Wemby is just – his body is completely unique, even to Bull Bulls. And then it seems like from a basketball IQ standpoint, I don't. I mean, I don't know. There's a lot of NBA guys who are putting a ton of hours into the gym and are not making high-level reads at the NBA level. So I don't think there's any world where Bull Bull could be Wemby. And I don't understand why Shaq keeps doubling down on this take. Yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. And not only is it a bad take because it's like rooted in – comparing Bulbul to Wemby and like they could not be more different players. I've been pretty hard on Bulbul throughout this season, but Shaq s- says now that Bulbul is just lazy as fuck in right after the one point in Bulbul's entire season where he's from a Suns fan has actually committed to just being a role player and like working hard and, and rebounding. He's, he hasn't been healthy, but like any way you look at that take, I am right there with you. It is a bad take. My worst take of the week goes to the guy who I think I gave him best take of the week last week. It is Udonis Haslam, who another Suns player. We just can't get away from these best take, worst take with Suns players. Udonis Haslam said that Duncan Robinson is a better shooter than Kevin Durant. <laughs> need i say more that's my guy like um wow like wait was there a full context or just straight up duncan robinson is a better shooter than kevin Durant? um i so he like explained it a little bit he was like yeah like he's just a better shooter like if they did a three-point contest from spots duncan robinson is is winning that and like that's just like not true i'm sorry like there's I don't think there's any way that you can cut it to justify saying that Kevin that Duncan Robinson is a better shooter than Kevin Durant. And I'm pretty sure Kevin Durant is shooting better from three than Duncan Robinson. You don't think there's any world where Duncan Robinson could beat Kevin Durant in a three-point contest? I said that I don't think there's any world where 
you can say like overall, like as a three point shooter, as a mid range shooter, as like a- any spot on the floor that Duncan Robinson is a better shooter. Maybe once like Duncan Robinson can beat Kevin Durant. They're both like in the top 1% of shooters probably ever born in the world. But I still just, I mean, like he's Kevin fucking Durant. Yeah, no, I mean, I feel like when you say shooter, I'm assuming you mean the whole facet of shooting, like shooting off of movement, shooting off the catch, shooting off the dribble, shooting off of all the different actions you can do. Obviously, Durant is far and away a better shooter than Duncan Robinson. But I will counter you. I feel like if they did a three-point contest, Duncan would win more than two out of ten. I don't know if he'd win more than four, but I think he'd win more than two. Okay, I can I can give you that. I can give you that. Um. Okay. Who? Which Heat legend is going to win the best, the worst take of the week this week? Can I give Shaq another shout out for another horrible take? Oh, absolutely. I I also heard a really bad take that he shared on Instagram recently. I wonder if it's the one that you're thinking about. Is it the Lillard Steph one? No, it's a different one. Actually, he's got a lot of bad takes. I guess. Okay, yeah, no, Shaq was on a spree this week. I feel like I feel like even if the one I gave wasn't necessarily as bad as the UD one, he should win because of the plethora. So he also has, I'd rather play with Damian Lillard than Steph Curry because Damian Lillard is a better standstill shooter? What? Come on, big shaq this. What are you doing, man? <laughs> shaq, Shaq, you, come on, come on, man. Yeah, so I I think we should make a little bit of history right now. First time in foul trouble. Wait, 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 Max. What's the other take? The other take was unrelated to basketball. He said that you should never be fully honest with women because they'll use it against you when you get in a fight later down the line. That is a terrible Imagine what they'll use against you if they found you in a lie. I feel like that's even more... Yeah, and, and it's it's awful. His co-host is just like fully co-signing this take and just being like, Yeah, I've never been honest with a woman in my life. Like I've never <laughs> I've never told the truth. Yeah, so Shaq has gotta get it, but it's gotta be like an amalgamation of <laughs> of everything. Yeah. Just Shaq for the last week of January. But Patrick, these clips, he's wearing these glasses that have like yeah. a loop hanging from them. I, I don't know, man. These are some awful takes. I have a great UD take here. Also, wow, UD and Shaq are on a spree. Udonis Haslam says the first thing on the scouting report versus Carl Malone was to quote, protect yourself. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. You just got to protect you. Don't worry about his scoring. Don't worry about anything else. Just protect yourself. You got to take care of number one first. This Udonis Haslam pod is is crazy. I feel like every week we get something from it. And I feel like we've heard almost nothing from Mike Miller, who's the co-host on it. I didn't even know Mike Miller was the co-host. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, Shaq gets Shaq it. Shaq is worst take. So we will crown the worst take of the month on the Thursday pod. I know we normally do it on the last episode of the month. This week this week is a little all over the place. Patrick and I were just talking over each other, but the, hopefully Max patches that all up before you guys hear it because uh, <laughs> there's a lot of us not knowing what to speak today. Well, with that, everyone, I think I think that's all we have for you on this beautiful Monday in the world of the NBA. Yeah, we'll see you guys on the next one. I'm excited for the Thursday pod. We'll catch you then. Peace.